Book Nine, Chapters Eleven to Thirteen of The Confessions by Saint Augustine, translated by E. B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Nine, Chapter Eleven. What answer I made her unto these things I remember not, for scarce five days after, or not much more, she fell sick of a fever, and in that sickness one day she fell into a swoon and was for a while withdrawn from these visible things. We hastened round her, but she was soon brought back to her senses, and looking on me and my brother standing by her, said to us inquiringly, Where was I? And then looking fixedly on us, with grief amazed, Here, saith she, shall you bury your mother. I held my peace and refrained weeping, but my brother spake something, wishing for her, as the happier lot, that she might die not in a strange place, but in her own land, whereat she with anxious look checked him with her eyes, for that he still savoured such things, and then looking upon me, Behold, saith she, what he saith, and soon after to us both, Lay, saith she, this body anywhere, let not the care for that any way disquiet you, this only I request, that you would remember me at the Lord's altar, wherever you be. And having delivered this sentiment, in what words she could, she held her peace, being exercised by her growing sickness. But I, considering thy gifts, thou unseen God, which thou instillest into the hearts of thy faithful ones, whence wondrous fruits do spring, did rejoice and give thanks to thee, recalling what I before knew, how careful and anxious she had ever been as to her place of burial, which she had provided and prepared for herself by the body of her husband for because they had lived in great harmony together she also wished so little can the human mind embrace things divine to have this addition to that happiness and to have it remembered among men that after her pilgrimage beyond the seas what was earthly of this united pair had been permitted to be united beneath the same earth but when this emptiness had through the fulness of thy goodness begun to cease in her heart i knew not and rejoiced admiring that she had so disclosed to me though indeed in that our discourse also in the window when she had said what do i hear any longer there appeared no desire of dying in her own country i heard afterwards also that when we were now at ostia she with a mother's confidence when i was absent one day discoursed with certain of my friends about the contempt of this life and the blessing of death and when they were amazed at such courage which thou hast given to a woman and asked whither she were not afraid to leave her body so far from her own city she replied nothing is far to god nor was it to be feared lest at the end of the world he should not recognize whence he were to raise me up on the ninth day then of her sickness and the fifty-sixth year of her age and the three-and-thirtieth of mine was that religious and holy soul freed from the body chapter twelve i closed her eyes and there flowed withal a mighty sorrow into my heart, which was overflowing into tears. Mine eyes at the same time, by the violent command of my mind, drank up their fountain wholly dry, and woe was me in such a strife. But when she breathed her last, the boy, Adiodatus, burst out into a loud lament, then, checked by us all, held his peace. In like manner also a childish feeling in me, which was, through my heart's youthful voice finding its vent in weeping was checked and silenced for we thought it not fitting to solemnize that funeral with tearful lament and groanings 
for thereby do they for the most part express grief for the departed as though unhappy or altogether dead whereas she was neither unhappy in her death nor altogether dead of this we were assured on good grounds the testimony of her good conversation and her faith unfeigned what then was it which did grievously pain me within but a fresh wound wrought through the sudden wrench of that most sweet and dear custom of living together i joyed indeed in her testimony when in that her last sickness mingling her endearments with my acts of duty she called me dutiful and unmentioned with great affection of love that she never had heard any harsh or reproachful sound uttered by my mouth against her but yet o oh my god who madest us what comparison is there betwixt that honour that i paid to her and her slavery for me but then forsaken of so great comfort in her my soul was wounded and that life rent asunder as it were which of hers and mine together had been made but one the boy then being stilled from weeping euodius took up the psalter and began to sing our whole house answering him the psalm i will sing of mercy and judgment to thee o lord but hearing what we were doing many brethren and religious women came together and whilst they whose office it was made ready for the burial as the manner is i in that part of the house where i might properly together with those who thought not fit to leave me discoursed upon something fitting the time and by this balm of truth assuaged that torment known to thee they unknowing and listening intently and conceiving me to be without all sense of sorrow but in thine ears were none of them heard i blamed the weakness of my feelings and refrained my flood of grief which gave way a little unto me but again came as with a tide yet not so as to burst out into tears nor to a change of countenance still i knew keeping down my heart and being very much displeased that these human things had such power over me which in the due order and appointment of our natural condition must needs come to pass with a new grief i grieved for my grief and was thus worn by a double sorrow and behold the corpse was carried to the burial we went and returned without tears for neither in those prayers which we poured forth unto thee when the sacrifice of our ransom was offered for her when now the corpse was by the grave's side as the manner there is previous to its being laid therein did i weep even during those prayers yet was i the whole day in secret heavily sad and with troubled mind prayed thee as i could to heal my sorrow yet thou didst not impressing i believe upon my memory by this one instance how strong is the bond of all habit even upon a soul which now feeds upon no deceiving word it seemed also good to me to go and bathe having heard that the bath had its name valneum from the greek for for that it drives sadness from the mind and this also i confess unto thy mercy father of the fatherless that i bathed and was the same as before i bathed for the bitterness of sorrow could not exude out of my heart then i slept and woke up again and found my grief not a little softened and as i was alone in my bed i remembered those true verses of thy ambrose for thou art the maker of all the lord and ruler of the height who robbing day in light hast poured soft slumbers o'er the night that to our limbs the power of toil may be renewed and hearts be raised that sink and cower and sorrows be subdued and then little by little i recovered my former thoughts of thy handmaid 
her holy conversation towards thee her holy tenderness and observance towards us whereof i was suddenly deprived and i was minded to weep in thy sight for her and for myself in her behalf and in mine own and i gave way to the tears which i before restrained to overflow as much as they desired reposing my heart upon them and found rest in them for it was in thy ears not in those of man who would have scornfully interpreted my weeping and now lord in writing i confess it unto thee read it who will and interpret it how he will and if he finds sin therein that i wept my mother for a small portion of an hour the mother who for the time was dead to mine eyes who had for many years wept for me that i might live in thine eyes let him not deride me but rather if he be one of large charity let him weep himself for my sins unto thee the father of all the brethren of thy christ chapter thirteen but now with a heart cured of that wound wherein it might seem blameworthy for an earthly feeling i pour out unto thee our god in behalf of that thy handmaid a far different kind of tears flowing from a spirit shaken by the thoughts of the dangers of every soul that dieth in adam and although she having been quickened in christ even before her release from the flesh had lived to the praise of thy name for her faith and conversation yet dare i not say that from what time thou regeneratest her by baptism no word issued from her mouth against thy commandment thy son the truth hath said whoever shall say unto his brother thou fool shall be in danger of hell-fire and woe be even unto the commendable life of men if laying aside mercy they shouldest examine it but because thou art not extreme in inquiring after sins we confidently hope to find some place with thee but whosoever reckons up his real merits to thee what reckons he up to thee but thine own gifts o oh, that men would know themselves to be men and that he that glorieth would glory in the lord i therefore o oh my praise and my life god of my heart laying aside for a while her good deeds for which i give thanks to thee with joy do now beseech thee for the sins of my mother hearken unto me i entreat thee by the medicine of our wounds who hung upon the tree and now sitting at thy right hand maketh intercession to thee for us i know that she dealt mercifully and from her heart forgave her debtors their debts do they also forgive her debts whatever she may have contracted in so many years since the water of salvation forgive her lord forgive i beseech thee enter not into judgment with her let thy mercy be exalted above thy justice since thy words are true and thou hast promised mercy unto the merciful which thou gavest them to be who wilt have mercy upon whom thou wilt have mercy and wilt have compassion on whom thou hast compassion and i believe thou hast already done what i ask but accept o lord the free-will offerings of my mouth for she the day of her dissolution now at hand took no thought to have her body sumptuously wound up or embalmed with spices nor desired she a choice monument or to be buried in her own land these things she enjoined us not but desired only to have her name commemorated at thy altar which she had served without intermission of one day when she knew that holy sacrifice to be dispensed by which the handwriting that was against us is blotted out through which the enemy was triumphed over who summing up our offences and seeking what lay to our charge found nothing in him in whom we conquer who shall restore to him the innocent blood 
who repay him the price wherewith he bought us and so take us from him unto the sacrament of which our ransom thy handmaid bound her soul by the bond of faith let none sever her from thy protection let neither the lion nor the dragon impose himself by force or fraud for she will not answer that she owes nothing lest she be convicted and seized by the crafty accuser but she will answer that her sins are forgiven her by him to whom none can repay that price which he who owed nothing paid for us may she then rest in peace with the husband before and after whom she had never any whom she obeyed with patience bringing forth fruit unto thee that she might win him also unto thee and inspire o lord my god inspire thy servants my brethren thy sons my masters whom with voice and heart i pen serve so many as shall read these confessions may at thy altar remember monica thy handmaid with patricius her sometimes husband by whose bodies thou broughtest me into this life how i know not may they with devout affection remember my parents in this transitory light my brethren under thee our father in the catholic mother and my fellow-citizens in that eternal jerusalem which thy pilgrim people sigheth after from their exodus even unto their return thither that so my mother's last request of me may through my confessions more than through my prayers be through the prayers of many more abundantly fulfilled in her End of Book Nine. Book Ten, Chapters One to Ten of The Confessions by Saint Augustine, translated by E. B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Ten. Having in the former books spoken of himself before his receiving the grace of baptism, in this Augustine confesses what he then was but first he inquires by what faculty we can know god at all whence he enlarges on the mysterious character of the memory wherein god being made known dwells but which could not discover him then he examines his own trials under the triple division of temptation lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and pride what christian constancy prescribes as to each on christ the only mediator who heals and will heal all infirmities Chapter 1 Let me know thee, O Lord, who knowest me. Let me know thee as I am known. Power of my soul, enter into it, and fit it for thee, that thou mayest have and hold it without spot or wrinkle. This is my hope, therefore do I speak. And in this hope do I rejoice, when I rejoice healthfully. Other things of this life are the less to be sorrowed for, the more they are sorrowed for, and the more to be sorrowed for, the less men sorrow for them. For behold, thou lovest the truth, and he that doeth it cometh to the light. This would I do in my heart before thee in confession, and in my writing before many witnesses. Chapter 2 And from thee, O Lord, unto whose eyes the abyss of man's conscience is naked, what could be hidden in me, though I would not confess it? For I should hide thee from me, but not me from thee. But now, for that my groaning is witness, that I am displeased with myself, thou shinest out, and art pleasing, and beloved, and longed for, that I may be ashamed of myself, and renounce myself, 
and choose thee and neither please thee nor myself but in thee to thee therefore o lord am i open whatever i am and with what fruit i confess unto thee i have said nor do i it with words and sounds of the flesh but with the words of my soul and the cry of the thought which thy ear knoweth for when i am evil then to confess to thee is nothing else than to be displeased with myself but when holy nothing else than not to ascribe it to myself because thou o lord blesseth the godly but first thou justifieth him when ungodly my confession then o god in thy sight is made silently and not silently for in sound it is silent in affection it cries aloud for neither do i utter anything right unto men which thou hast not before heard from me nor dost thou hear any such thing from me which thou hast not first said unto me chapter three what then have i to do with men that they should hear my confessions as if they could heal all my infirmities a race curious to know the lives of others slothful to amend their own why seek they to hear from me what i am who will not hear from thee what themselves are and how know they when from myself they hear of myself whether i say true seeing no man knows what is in man but the spirit of man which is in him but if they hear from thee of themselves they cannot say the lord lieth for what is it to hear from thee of themselves but to know themselves and who knoweth and saith it is false unless himself lieth but because charity believeth all things that is among those whom knitting unto itself make it one i also o lord will in such wise confess unto thee that men may hear to whom i cannot demonstrate whether i confess truly yet they believe me whose ears charity openeth unto me but do thou my inmost physician make plain unto me what fruit i may reap by doing it for the confessions of my past sins which thou hast forgiven and covered that thou mightest bless me in thee changing my soul by faith and thy sacrament when read and heard stir up the heart that it sleep not in despair and say i cannot but awake in the love of thy mercy and the sweetness of thy grace whereby whoso is weak is strong when by it he became conscious of his own weakness and the good delight to hear of the past evils of such as are now freed from them not because they are evils but because they have been and are not with what fruit then o lord my god to whom my conscience daily confesseth trusting more in the hope of thy mercy than in her own innocency with what fruit i pray do i by this book confess to men also in thy presence what i am now not what i have been for that other fruit i have seen and spoken of but what i am now at the very time of making these confessions divers desire to know who have or have not known me who have heard from me or of me but their ear is not at my heart where i am whatever i am they wish then to hear me confess what i am within whither neither their eye nor ear nor understanding can reach they wish it as ready to believe but will they know for charity whereby they are good telleth them that in my confessions i lie not and she in them believeth me 
Chapter 4 But for what fruit would they hear this? Do they desire to join with me, when they hear how near, by thy gift, I approach unto thee, and to pray for me, when they shall hear how much I am held back by my own weight? To such will I discover myself. For it is no mean fruit, O Lord my God, that by many thanks should be given to thee on our behalf, and thou be by many entreated for us. Let the brotherly mind love in me, what thou teachest is to be loved, and lament in me, what thou teachest is to be lamented. Let a brotherly, not a stranger, mind, not that of the strange children whose mouth talketh of vanity, and their right hand is the right hand of iniquity, but that brotherly mind, which when approveth, rejoiceth for me, and when it disproveth me, is sorry for me, because whether it approveth or disproveth, it loveth me. To such will I discover myself. They will breathe freely at my good deeds, sigh for my ill. My good deeds are thine appointments, and thy gifts. My evil ones are my offences, and thy judgments. Let them breathe freely at the one, sigh at the other, and let hymns and weeping go up into thy sight, out of the hearts of my brethren, thy censors. And do thou, O Lord, be pleased with the incense of thy holy temple, have mercy upon me according to thy great mercy, for thine own name's sake, and no ways forsaking what thou hast begun, perfect my imperfections. This is the fruit of my confessions of what I am, not of what I have been, to confess this, not before thee only, in a secret exultation with trembling, and a secret sorrow with hope, but in the ears also of the believing sons of men, sharers of my joy and partners of my mortality, my fellow-citizens and fellow-pilgrims, who are gone before, or are to follow on, companions of my way. These are thy servants, my brethren, whom thou willest to be thy sons, my masters, whom thou commandest me to serve, if I would live with thee, of thee. But this thy word, were little did it only command by speaking, and not go before in performing. This, then, I do in deed and word, this I do under thy wings. In over-great peril were not my soul subdued unto thee under thy wings, and my infirmity known unto thee. I am a little one, but my father ever liveth, and my guardian is sufficient for me. For he is the same who begat me and defends me, and thou thyself art all my good, thou, almighty, who art with me, yea, before I am with thee. To such, then, whom thou commandest me to serve, will I discover not what I have been, but what I now am, and what I yet am. But neither do I judge myself. Thus, therefore, I would be heard. Chapter 5 For thou, Lord, dost judge me, because although no man knoweth the things of a man, but the spirit of a man which is in him, yet is there something of man, which neither the spirit of man that is in him itself knoweth. But thou, Lord, knowest all of him, who hast made him. Yet I, though in thy sight I despise myself, and account myself dust and ashes, yet know I something of thee, which I know not of myself. And truly, now we see through a glass darkly, and not face to face as yet. 
so long therefore as i be absent from thee i am more present with myself than with thee and yet i know thee that thou art in no way passable but i what temptations i can resist what i cannot i know not and there is hope because thou art faithful who wilt not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able but wilt with the temptation also make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it i will confess then what i know of myself i will confess also what i know not of myself and that because what i do know of myself i know by thy shining upon me and what i know not of myself so long know i not it until my darkness be made as the noonday in thy countenance chapter six not with doubting but with assured consciousness do i love thee lord thou hast stricken my heart with thy word and i loved thee yea also heaven and earth and all that therein is behold on every side they bid me love thee nor cease to say so unto all that they may be without excuse but more deeply wilt thou have mercy on whom thou wilt have mercy and wilt have compassion on whom thou hast had compassion else in deaf ears do the heaven and the earth speak thy praises but what do i love when i love thee not beauty of bodies nor the fair harmony of time nor the brightness of the light so gladsome to our eyes nor sweet melodies of varied songs nor the fragrant smell of flowers and ointments and spices not manna and honey not limbs acceptable to embracements of flesh none of these i love when i love my god and yet i love a kind of light and melody and fragrance and meat and embracement when i love my god the light melody fragrance meat embracement of my inner man where there shineth unto my soul what space cannot contain and there soundeth what time beareth not away and there smelleth what breathing disperseth not and there tasteth what eating diminisheth not and there clingeth what satiety divorceth not this it is which i love when i love my god and what is this i asked the earth and it answered me i am not he and whatsoever are in it confessed the same i asked the sea and the depths and the living creeping things and they answered we are not thy god seek above us i asked the moving air and the whole air with its inhabitants answered anasimenes was deceived i am not god i asked the heavens sun moon stars nor say they are we the god whom thou seekest and i replied unto all the things which encompass the door of my flesh ye have told me of my god and ye are not he tell me something of him and they cried out with a loud voice he made us my questioning them was my thoughts on them and their form of beauty gave the answer and i turned myself unto myself and said to myself who art thou and i answered a man and behold in me there present themselves to my soul and body one without the other within but which of these ought i to seek my god i had sought him in the body from earth to heaven so far as i could send messengers and the beams of my eyes but the better is the inner for to it as presiding and judging 
all the bodily messengers reported the answers of heaven and earth and all things therein who said we are not god but he made us these things did my inner man know by the ministry of the outer i the inner knew them i the mind through the senses of my body i asked the whole frame of the world about my god and it answered me i am not he but he made me is not this corporeal figure apparent to all whose senses are perfect why then speaks it not the same to all animals small and great see it but they cannot ask it because no reason is set over their senses to judge on what they report but men can ask so that the invisible things of god are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made but by love of them they are made subject unto them and subjects cannot judge nor yet do the creatures answer such as ask unless they can judge nor yet do they change their voice i e their appearance if one man only sees another seeing asks so as to appear one way to this man another to that but appearing the same way to both it is dumb to this speaks to that yea rather it speaks to all but they only understand who compare its voice received from without with the truth within for truth saith unto me neither heaven nor earth nor any other body is thy god this their very nature saith to them that seeth them they are a mass a mass is less in a part thereof than in the whole now to thee i speak o my soul thou art my better part for thou quickenest the mass of my body giving it life which no body can give to a body but thy god is even unto thee the life of thy life chapter seven what then do i love when i love my god who is he above the head of my soul by my very soul i will ascend to him i will pass beyond that power whereby i am united to my body and fill its whole frame with life nor can i by that power find my god for so horse and mule that have no understanding might find him seeing it is the same power whereby even their bodies live but another power there is not that only whereby i animate but that too whereby i imbue with sense my flesh which the lord hath framed for me commanding the eye not to hear and the ear not to see but the eye that through it i should see and the ear that through it i should hear and to the other senses severally what is to each their own peculiar seats and offices which being diverse i the one mind do through them enact i will pass beyond this power of mine also for this also have the horse and the mule for they also perceive through the body chapter eight i will pass then beyond this power of my nature also rising by degrees unto him who made me and i come to the fields and spacious palaces of my memory where are the treasures of innumerable images brought into it from things of all sorts perceived by the senses there is stored up whatsoever besides we think either by enlarging or diminishing or any other way varying those things which the senses hath come to and whatever else hath been committed and laid up which forgetfulness hath not yet swallowed up and buried when i enter there i require what i will to be brought forth 
and something instantly comes others must be longer sought after which are fetched as it were out of some inner receptacle others rush out in troops and while one thing is desired and required they start forth as who should say is it perchance i these i drive away with the hand of my heart from the face of my remembrance until what i wish for be unveiled and appear in sight out of its secret place other things come readily in unbroken order as they are called for those in front making way for the following and as they make way they are hidden from sight ready to come when i will all which takes place when i repeat a thing by heart there are all things preserved distinctly and under general heads each having entered by its own avenue as light and all colours and forms of bodies by the eyes by the ears all sorts of sounds all smells by the avenue of the nostrils all tastes by the mouth and by the sensation of the whole body what is hard or soft hot or cold smooth or rugged heavy or light either outwardly or inwardly to the body all these doth that great harbour of the memory receive into her numberless secret and inexpressible windings to be forthcoming and brought out at need each entering in by his own gate and there laid up nor yet do the things themselves enter in only the images of the things perceived are there in readiness for thought to recall which images how they are formed who can tell though it doth plainly appear by which sense each hath been brought in and stored up for even while i dwell in darkness and silence in my memory i can produce colours if i will and discern betwixt black and white and what others i will nor yet do sounds break in and disturb the image drawn in by my eyes which i am reviewing though they also are there lying dormant and laid up as it were apart for these too i call for and forthwith they appear and though my tongue be still and my throat mute so can i sing as much as i will nor do those images of colours which notwithstanding be there intrude themselves and interrupt when another store is called for which flowed in by the ears so the other things piled in and up by the other senses i recall at my pleasure yea i discern the breath of lilies from violets though smelling nothing and i prefer honey to sweet wine smooth before rugged at the time neither tasting nor handling but remembering only these things do i within in that vast court of my memory for there are present with me heaven earth sea and whatever i could think on therein besides what i have forgotten there also meet i with myself and recall myself and when where and what i have done and under what feelings there be all which i remember either on my own experience or others credit out of the same store do i myself with past continually combine fresh and fresh likenesses of things which i have experienced or from what i have experienced have believed and thence again infer future actions events and hopes and all these again i reflect on as present i will do this or that say i to myself in that great receptacle of my mind stored with the images of things so many and so great and this or that will follow oh that this or that might be god avert this or that so i speak to myself and when i speak the images of all i speak of are present out of the same treasury of memory nor would i speak of any thereof were the images wanting 
great is this force of memory excessive great o my god a large and boundless chamber who ever sounded the bottom thereof yet is this a power of mine and belongs unto my nature nor do i myself comprehend all that i am therefore is the mind too straight to contain itself and where should that be which it containeth not of itself is it without it and not within how then doth it not comprehend itself a wonderful admiration surprises me amazement seizes me upon this and men go abroad to admire the heights of mountains the mighty billows of the sea the broad tides of rivers the compass of the oceans and the currents of the stars and pass themselves by nor wonder that when i spake of all these things i did not see them with mine eyes yet could not have spoken of them unless i then actually saw the mountains billows rivers stars which i had seen and that ocean which i believed to be inwardly in my memory and that with the same vast spaces between as i saw them abroad yet did not i by seeing draw them into myself when with mine eyes i beheld them nor are they themselves with me but their images only and i know by what sense of the body each was impressed upon me chapter nine yet not of these alone does the unmeasurable capacity of my memory retain here also is all learnt of the liberal sciences and as yet unforgotten removed as it were to some inner place which is yet no place nor are they the images thereof but the things themselves for what is literature and what the art of disputing how many kinds of questions there be whatsoever of these i know in such manner exists in my memory and that i have not taken in the image and left out the thing or that it should have sounded and passed away like a voice fixed on the ear by that impress whereby it might be recalled as if it sounded when it no longer sounded or as a smell while it passes and evaporates into the air affects the sense of smell whence it conveys into the memory an image of itself which remembering we renew or as meat which verily in the belly hath now no taste and yet in the memory still in a manner tasteth or as anything which the body by touch perceiveth and which when removed from us the memory still conceives for these things are not transmitted into the memory but their images only are with an admirable swiftness caught up and stored as it were in wondrous cabinets and thence wonderfully by the act of remembering brought forth chapter ten but now when i hear that there be three kinds of questions whether the thing be what is it of what kind it is i do indeed hold the images of the sounds of which these words be composed and that those sounds with a noise passed through the air and now are not but these things themselves which are signified by those sounds i never reached with any sense of my body nor ever discerned them otherwise than in my mind yet in my memory have i laid up not their images but themselves which how they entered into me let them say if they can for i have gone over all the avenues of my flesh but cannot find by which they entered for the eyes say if those images were coloured we reported them the ears say if they sound we gave knowledge of them the nostrils say if they smell they passed by us the taste says unless they have a savour ask me not the touch says if it have not size i handled it not 
if i handled it not i gave no notice of it whence and how entered these things into my memory i know not how for when i learned them i gave not credit to another man's mind but recognized them in mine and approving them for true i commended them to it laying them up as it were whence i might bring them forth when i willed in my heart then they were even before i learned them but in my memory they were not where then or wherefore when they were spoken did i acknowledge them and say so it is it is true unless that they were already in the memory but so thrown back and buried as it were in deeper recesses that had not the suggestion of another drawn them forth i had perchance been unable to conceive of them end of book ten chapter ten book ten chapters eleven to twenty of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book ten chapter eleven wherefore we find that to learn these things whereof we imbibe not the images by our senses but perceive within by themselves without images as they are is nothing else but by conception to receive and by marking to take heed that those things which the memory did before contain at random and unarranged be laid up at hand as it were in the same memory where before they lay unknown scattered and neglected and so readily occur to the mind familiarized to them and how many things of this kind does my memory bear which have been already found out and as i said placed as it were at hand which we are said to have learned and come to know which were i for some short space of time to cease to call to mind they are again so buried and glide back as it were into the deeper recesses that they must again as if new be thought out thence for another abode they have none but they must be drawn together again that they may be known that is to say they must as it were be collected together from their dispersion whence the word cogitation is derived for cogo collect and cogito recollect have the same relation to each other as ago and agito facio and factito but the mind hath appropriated to itself this word cogitation so that not what is collected anyhow but what is recollected i e brought together in the mind is properly said to be cogitated or thought upon chapter twelve the memory containeth also reasons and laws innumerable of numbers and dimensions none of which hath any bodily sense impressed seeing they have neither colour nor sound nor taste nor smell nor touch i have heard the sound of the words whereby when discussed they are denoted but the sounds are other than the things for the sounds are other in greek than in latin but the things are neither greek nor latin nor any other language i have seen the lines of architects the very finest like a spider's thread but those are still different they are not the images of those lines which the eyes of flesh showed me he knoweth them whosoever without any conception whatsoever of a body recognizes them within himself i have perceived also the numbers of the things with which we number all the senses of my body but those numbers wherewith we number are different nor are they the images of these and therefore they indeed are let him who sees them not 
deride me for saying these things, and I will pity him while he derides me. Chapter 13 All these things I remember, and how I learnt them I remember. Many things also most falsely objected against them have I heard and remember, which though they be false, yet it is not false that I remember them, and I remember also that I have discerned betwixt those truths and these falsehoods objected to them. And I perceive that the present discerning of these things is different from remembering that I oftentimes discerned them, when I often thought upon them. I both remember, then, to have often understood these things, and what I now discern and understand, I lay up in my memory, that hereafter I may remember that I understood it now. So then I remember also to have remembered, as if hereafter I shall call to remembrance, that I have now been able to remember these things, by the force of memory shall I call it to remembrance. CHAPTER fourteen. The same memory contains also the affections of my mind, not in the same manner that of my mind itself contains them, when it feels them, but far otherwise, according to a power of its own, for without rejoicing I remember myself to have joyed, and without sorrow do I recollect my past sorrow. And that I once feared, I review without fear, and without desire to call to mind a past desire. Sometimes, on the contrary, with joy do I remember my forepast sorrow, and with sorrow joy, which is not wonderful as to the body, for mind is one thing, body another. If I therefore with joy remember some past pain of the body, it is not so wonderful. But now seeing this very memory itself is mind. For when we give a thing in charge to be kept in memory, we say, so that you keep it in mind. And when we forget, we say, it did not come to my mind, and it slipped out of my mind, calling the memory itself the mind. This being so, how is it, that when with joy I remember my past sorrow, the mind hath joy, the memory hath sorrow. The mind upon the joyfulness which is in it is joyful, yet the memory upon the sadness which is in it is not sad. Does the memory perchance not belong to the mind? Who will say so? The memory then is, as it were, the belly of the mind. And joy and sadness, like sweet and bitter food, which, when committed to the memory, are, as it were, passed into the belly, where they may be stowed but cannot taste. Ridiculous it is to imagine these to be alike, and yet they are not utterly unlike. But, behold, out of my memory I bring it, when I say there be four perturbations of the mind, desire, joy, fear, sorrow, and whatsoever I can dispute thereon, by dividing each into its subordinate species, and by defining it, in my memory find I what to say, and thence do I bring it. Yet am I not disturbed by any of these perturbations, when by calling them to mind I remember them? Yea, and before I recalled and brought them back, they were there, and therefore could they, by recollection, thence be brought. Perchance, then, as meat is by chewing the cud brought up out of the belly, so by recollection of these out of the memory. Why then does not the disputer, thus recollecting, taste in the mouth of his musing the sweetness of joy, the bitterness of sorrow? Is the comparison unlike in this, because not in all respects like? For who would willingly speak thereof, if so oft as we name grief or fear, we should be compelled to be sad or fearful? 
and yet could we not speak of them did we not find in our memory not only the sounds of the names according to the images impressed by the senses of the body but notions of the very things themselves which we never received by any avenue of the body but which the mind itself perceiving by the experience of its own passions committed to the memory or the memory of itself retained without being committed unto it chapter fifteen but whether by images or no who can readily say thus i name a stone i name the sun the things themselves not being present to my senses but their images to my memory i name a bodily pain yet it is not present within me when nothing aches yet unless its image were present in my memory i should not know what to say thereof nor in discoursing discern pain from pleasure i name bodily health being sound in body the thing itself present with me yet unless its image also were present in my memory i could by no means recall what the sound of this name should signify nor would the sick when health were named recognize what were spoken unless the same image were by the force of memory retained although the thing itself were absent from the body i name numbers whereby we number and not their images but themselves are present in my memory i name the image of the sun and that image is present in my memory for i recall not the image of its image but the image itself is present in me calling it to mind i name memory and i recognize what i name and where do i recognize it but in the memory itself is it also present to itself by its image and not by itself chapter sixteen what when i name forgetfulness and withal recognize what i name whence should i recognize it did i not remember it i speak not of the sound of the name but of the thing which it signifies which if i had forgotten i could not recognize what that sound signifies when then i remember memory memory itself is through itself present with itself but when i remember forgetfulness there are present both memory and forgetfulness memory whereby i remember forgetfulness which i remember but what is forgetfulness but the privation of memory how then is it present that i remember it since when present i cannot remember but if what we remember we hold it in memory yet unless we did remember forgetfulness we could never at the hearing of the name recognize the thing thereby signified then forgetfulness is retained by memory present then it is that we forget not and being so we forget it is to be understood from this that forgetfulness when we remember it is not present to the memory by itself but by its image because if it were present by itself it would not cause us to remember but to forget who now shall search out this who shall comprehend how it is lord i truly toil therein yea and toil in myself i am become a heavy soil requiring overmuch sweat of the brow for we are not now searching out the regions of heaven or measuring the distances of the stars or inquiring the balancings of the earth it is i myself who remember i the mind it is not so wonderful if what i myself am not be far from me but what is nearer to me than myself and lo the force of mine own memory is not understood by me though i cannot so much as name myself without it for what should i say when it is clear to me that i remember forgetfulness shall i say that it is not my memory which i remember 
or shall i say that forgetfulness is for this purpose in my memory that i might not forget both were most absurd what third way is there how can i say that the image of forgetfulness is retained by my memory not forgetfulness itself when i remember it how could i say this either seeing that when the image of anything is impressed on the memory the thing itself must needs be first present whence that image may be impressed for thus do i remember carthage thus all places where i have been thus men's faces whom i have seen and things reported by the other senses thus the health or sickness of the body for when these things were present my memory received them from images which being present with me i might look on and bring back to my mind when i remembered them in their absence if then this forgetfulness is retained in the memory through its image not through itself then plainly itself was once present that its image might be taken but when it was present how did it write its image in the memory seeing that forgetfulness by its presence effaces even what it finds already noted and yet in whatever way although that way be past conceiving and explaining yet certain am i that i remember forgetfulness itself also whereby what we remember is effaced chapter seventeen great is the power of memory a fearful thing o oh my god a deep and boundless manifoldness and this thing is the mind and this am i myself what am i then o oh my god what nature am i a life various and manifold and exceeding immense behold in the plains and caves and caverns of my memory innumerable and innumerably full of innumerable kinds of things either through images as all bodies or by actual presence as the arts or by certain notions or impressions as the affections of the mind which even when the mind doth not feel the memory retaineth while yet whatever is in the memory is also in the mind over all these do i run i fly i dive on this side and on that as far as i can and there is no end so great is the force of memory so great the force of life even in the mortal life of man what shall i do then o thou my true life my god i will pass even beyond this power of mine which is called memory yea i will pass beyond it that i may approach unto thee o sweet light what sayest thou to me see i am mounting up through my mind towards thee who abidest above me yea i now will pass beyond this power of mine which is called memory desirous to arrive at thee whence thou mayest be arrived at and to cleave unto thee whence one may cleave unto thee for even beasts and birds have memory else they could not return to their dens and nests nor many other things they are used unto nor indeed could they be used to anything but by memory i will pass them beyond memory also that i may arrive at him who hath separated me from the four-footed beasts and made me wiser than the fowls of the air i will pass beyond memory also and where shall i find thee thou truly good and certain sweetness and where shall i find thee if i find thee without my memory then do i not retain thee in my memory and how shall i find thee if i remember thee not chapter eighteen for the woman that had lost her groat and sought it with a light unless she had remembered it she had never found it for when it was found whence should she know whether it were the same unless she remembered it 
i remember to have sought and found many a thing and this i thereby know that when i was seeking any of them and was asked is this it is that it so long said i no until that were offered me which i sought which i had not remembered whatever it were though it were offered me yet should i not find it because i could not recognize it and so it ever is when we seek and find anything lost notwithstanding when anything is by chance lost from the sight not from the memory as any visible body yet its image is still retained within and it is sought until it be restored to sight and when it is found it is recognized by the image which is within nor do we say that we have found what was lost unless we recognize it nor can we recognize it unless we remember it but this was lost to the eyes but retained in the memory chapter nineteen but what when the memory itself loses anything as falls out when we forget and seek that we may recollect where in the end do we search but in the memory itself and there if one thing be perchance offered instead of another we reject it until what we seek meets us and when it doth we say this is it which we should not unless we recognized it nor recognize it unless we remembered it certainly then we had forgotten it or had not the whole escaped us but by the part whereof we had hold was the lost part sought for in that the memory felt that it did not carry on together all which it was wont and maimed as it were by the curtailment of its ancient habit demanded the restoration of what it missed for instance if we see or think of some one known to us and having forgotten his name try to recover it whatever else occurs connects itself not therewith because it was not wont to be thought upon together with him and therefore is rejected until that present itself whereon the knowledge reposes equably as its wanted object and whence does that present itself but out of the memory itself for even when we recognize it on being reminded by another it is thence it comes for we do not believe it as something new but upon recollection allow what was named to be right but were it utterly blotted out of the mind we should not remember it even when reminded for we have not as yet utterly forgotten that which we remember ourselves to have forgotten what then we have utterly forgotten though lost we cannot seek after chapter twenty how then do i seek thee o lord for when i seek thee my god i seek a happy life i will seek thee that my soul may live for my body liveth by my soul and my soul by thee how then do i seek a happy life seeing i have it not until i can say where i ought to say it it is enough how seek i it by remembrance as though i had forgotten it remembering that i had forgotten it or desiring to learn it as a thing unknown either never having known or so forgotten it as not even to remember that i had forgotten it is not a happy life what all will and no one altogether wills it not where have they known it that they so will it where seen it that they so love it truly we have it how i know not yea there is another way wherein when one hath it then he is happy and there are who are blessed in hope these have it in a lower kind than they who have it in very deed yet are they better off than such as are happy neither in deed nor in hope yet even these had they it not in some sort 
would not so will to be happy which that they do will is most certain they have known it then i know not how and so have it by some sort of knowledge what i know not and am perplexed by whether it be in the memory which if it be then we have been happy once whether all severally or in that man who first sinned in whom also we all died and from whom we are all born with misery i now inquire not but only whether the happy life be in the memory for neither should we love it did we not know it we hear the name and we all confess that we desire the thing for we are not delighted with the mere sound for when a greek hears it in latin he is not delighted not knowing what is spoken but we latins are delighted as would he too if he heard it in greek because the thing itself is neither greek nor latin which greeks and latins and men of all other tongues long for so earnestly known therefore it is to all for could they with one voice be asked would they be happy they would answer without doubt they would and this could not be unless the thing itself whereof it is the name were retained in their memory End of book ten chapter twenty book ten chapters twenty one to thirty of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book ten chapter twenty one but is it so as one remembers carthage who hath seen it no for a happy life is not seen with the eye because it is not a body as we remember numbers then no for these he hath in his knowledge seeks not further to attain unto but a happy life we have in our knowledge and therefore love it and yet still desire to attain it that we may be happy as we remember eloquence then no for although upon hearing this name also some call to mind the thing who still are not yet eloquent and many who desire to be so whence it appears that it is in their knowledge yet these have by their bodily senses observed others to be eloquent and been delighted and desire to be the like though indeed they would not be delighted but for some inward knowledge thereof nor wish to be the like unless they were thus delighted whereas a happy life we do by no bodily sense experience in others as we remember joy perchance for my joy i remember even when sad as a happy life when unhappy nor did i ever with bodily sense see hear smell taste or touch my joy but i experienced it in my mind when i rejoiced and the knowledge of it clave to my memory so that i can recall it with disgust sometimes at others with longing according to the nature of the things wherein i remember myself to have joyed for even from foul things have i been immersed in a sort of joy which now recalling i detest and execrate otherwise in good and honest things which i recall with longing although perchance no longer present and therefore with sadness i recall former joy where then and when did i experience my happy life that i should remember and love and long for it nor is it i alone or some few besides but we all would fain be happy which unless by some certain knowledge we knew we should not with so certain a will desire but how is this 
that if two men be asked whether they would go to the wars one perchance would answer that he would the other that he would not but if they were asked whether they would be happy both would instantly without any doubting say they would and for no other reason would the one go to the wars and the other not but to be happy is it perchance that as one looks for his joy in this thing and another in that all agree in their desire of being happy as they would if they were asked that they wished to have joy and this joy they call a happy life although then one obtains this joy by one means another by another all have one end which they strive to attain namely joy which being a thing which all must say they have experienced is therefore found in the memory and recognized whenever the name of a happy life is mentioned chapter twenty two far be it lord far be it from the heart of thy servant who here confesseth unto thee far be it that be the joy what it may i should therefore think myself happy for there is a joy which is not given to the ungodly but to those who love thee for thine own sake whose joy thou thyself art and this is the happy life to rejoice to thee of thee for thee this is it and there is no other for they who think that there is another pursue some other and not the true joy yet is not their will turned away from some semblance of joy chapter twenty three it is not certain then that all wish to be happy inasmuch as they who wish not to joy in thee which is the only happy life do not truly desire the happy life or do all men desire this but because the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh that they cannot do what they would they fall upon that which they can and are content therewith because what they are not able to do they do not will so strongly as would suffice to make them able for i ask any one had he rather joy in truth or falsehood they will as little hesitate to say in truth as to say that they desire to be happy for happy life is joy in the truth for this is a joying in thee who art the truth o god my light health of my countenance my god this is the happy life which all desire this life which alone is happy all desire to joy in the truth all desire i have met with many that would deceive who would be deceived no one where then did they know this happy life save where they knew the truth also for they love it also since they would not be deceived and when they love a happy life which is no other than joying in the truth then also do they love the truth which yet they would not love were there not some notice of it in their memory why then joy they not in it why are they not happy because they are more strongly taken up with other things which have more power to make them miserable than that which they so faintly remember to make them happy for there is yet a little light in men let them walk that the darkness overtake them not but why doth truth generate hatred and the man of thine preaching the truth become an enemy to them whereas a happy life is loved which is nothing else but joying in the truth unless that truth is in that kind loved that they who love anything else would gladly have that which they love to be the truth and because they would not be deceived would not be convinced that they are so therefore do they hate the truth for that thing's sake which they love instead of the truth 
they love the truth when she enlightens they hate her when she reproves for since they would not be deceived and would deceive they love her when she discovers herself unto them and hate her when she discovers them whence she shall so repay them that they who would not be made manifest by her she both against their will makes manifest and herself becometh not manifest unto them thus thus yea thus doth the mind of man thus blind and sick foul and ill-favoured wish to be hidden but that aught should be hidden from it it wills not but the contrary is requited it that itself should not be hidden from the truth but the truth is hid from it yet even thus miserable it had rather joy in truths than in falsehoods happy then will it be when no distraction interposing it shall joy in that only truth by whom all things are true chapter twenty four see what space i have gone over in my memory seeking thee o lord and i have not found thee without it nor have i found anything concerning thee but what i have kept in my memory ever since i learnt thee for since i learnt thee i have not forgotten thee for where i found truth there found i my god the truth itself which since i learnt i have not forgotten since then i learned thee thou resideth in my memory and there do i find thee when i call thee to remembrance and delight in thee these be my holy delights which thou hast given me in thy mercy having regard to my poverty chapter twenty five but where in my memory resideth thou o lord where resideth thou there what manner of lodging hast thou framed for thee what manner of sanctuary hast thou builded for thee thou hast given this honour to my memory to reside in it but in what quarter of it thou resideth that am i considering for in thinking on thee i passed by such parts of it as the beasts also have for i found thee not in there among the images of corporal things and i came to those parts to which i committed the affections of my mind nor found thee there and i entered into the very seat of my mind which it hath in my memory inasmuch as the mind remembers itself also neither wert thou there for as thou art not a corporal image nor the affection of a living being as when we rejoice condole desire fear remember forget or the like so neither art thou the mind itself because thou art the lord god of the mind and all these things are changed but thou remainest unchangeable over all and yet hast vouchsafed to dwell in my memory since i learned thee and why seek i now in what place of thou dwellest as if there were places therein sure i am that in it thou dwellest since i have remembered thee ever since i learned thee and there i find thee when i call thee to remembrance chapter twenty six where then did i find thee that i might learn thee for in my memory thou wert not before i learned thee where then did i find thee that i might learn thee but in thee above me place there is none we go backward and forward and there is no place everywhere o truth dost thou give audience to all who ask counsel of thee and at once answereth all though on manifold matters they ask thy counsel clearly dost thou answer though all do not clearly hear all consult thee on what they will though they hear not always what they will 
here is thy best servant who looks not so much to hear that from thee which himself willed as rather to will that which from thee he heareth chapter twenty seven too late loved i thee o thou beauty of ancient days yet ever new too late i loved thee and behold thou wert within and i abroad and there i searched for thee deformed i plunged amid those fair forms which thou hast made thou wert with me but i was not with thee things held me far from thee which unless they were in thee were not at all thou callest and shoutest and burstest my deafness thou flashest shonest and scatterest my blindness thou breathest odours and i drew in breath and pant for thee i tasted and hunger and thirst thou touchest me and i burned for thy peace chapter twenty eight when i shall with my whole self cleave to thee i shall nowhere have sorrow or labour and my life shall wholly live as wholly full of thee but now since whom thou fillest thou fillest up because i am not full of thee i am a burden unto myself lamentable joys strive with joyous sorrows and on which side is the victory i know not woe is me lord have pity on me my evil sorrows strive with my good joys and on which side is the victory i know not woe is me lord have pity on me woe is me lo i hide not my wounds thou art the physician i the sick thou merciful i miserable is not the life of man upon earth all trial who wishes for troubles and difficulties thou commandest them to be endured not to be loved no man loves what he endures though he love to endure for though he rejoices that he endures he had rather there was nothing for him to endure in adversity i long for prosperity in prosperity i fear adversity what middle place is there betwixt these two where the life of man is not all trial woe to the prosperities of the world once and again through fear of adversity and corruption of joy woe to the adversities of the world once and again and the third time from the longing for prosperity and because adversity itself is a hard thing and lest it shatter endurance is not the life of man upon earth all trial without any interval chapter twenty nine and all my hope is nowhere but in thy exceeding great mercy give what thou enjoinest and enjoin what thou wilt thou enjoinest in us continency and when i knew saith one that no man can be continent unless god give it this also was a part of wisdom to know whose gift she is by continency verily are we bound up and brought back into one whence we were dissipated into many for too little doth he love thee who loves anything with thee which he loveth not for thee o love who ever burnest and never consumest o charity my god kindle me thou enjoinest continency give me what thou enjoinest and enjoin what thou wilt chapter thirty verily thou enjoinest me continency from the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the ambition of the world thou enjoinest continency from concubinage and for wedlock itself thou hast counselled something better than what thou hast permitted and since thou gavest it 
it was done even before i became a dispenser of thy sacrament but there yet live in my memory whereof i have much spoken the images of such things as my ill custom there fixed which haunt me strengthless when i am awake but in sleep not only so as to give pleasure but even to obtain assent and which is very like reality yet so far prevails the illusion of the image in my soul and in my flesh that when asleep false visions persuade to that which when waking the true cannot am i not then myself o lord my god and yet there is so much difference betwixt myself and myself within that moment wherein i pass from waking to sleeping or return from sleeping to waking where is reason then which awake resisteth such suggestions and should the things themselves be urged upon it it remaineth unshaken is it clasped up with the eyes is it lulled asleep with the senses of the body and whence is it that often even in sleep we resist and mindful of our purpose and abiding most chastely in it yield no assent to such enticements and yet so much difference there is that when it happeneth otherwise upon waking we return to peace of conscience and by this very difference discover that we did not what yet we be sorry that in some way it was done in us art thou not mighty god almighty so as to heal all the diseases of my soul and by thy more abundant grace to quench even the impure motions of my sleep thou wilt increase lord thy gifts more and more in me that my soul may follow me to thee disentangled from the bird-lime of concupiscence that it rebel not against itself and even in dreams not only not through images of sense commit those debasing corruptions even to pollution of the flesh but not even to consent unto them for that nothing of this sort should have over the pure affections even of a sleeper the very least influence not even such as a thought would restrain to work this not only during life but even at my present age is not hard for the almighty who art able to do all things that we ask or think but what i yet am in this kind of my evil i have confessed unto my good lord rejoicing with trembling in that which thou hast given me and bemoaning that wherein i am still imperfect hoping that thou wilt perfect thy mercies in me even to perfect peace which my outward and inward man shall have with thee when death shall be swallowed up in victory end of book ten chapter thirty